0: Bibles in the pews? Oh my goodness. That is probably my fault. Uh, I uh, will hope and pray that someone is wise and remembering enough to bring uh, Bibles out and put them in the chairs next week. Um, and I will do my best to do it myself. Uh, but if, if I fail, please give me grace. Um, we are in the book of Daniel. We're in chapter 2. Um, and a little, uh, a little story, and uh, hopefully it'll work as we go through this. Um, I, was, uh, I was doing my study the other morning uh, and, and sort of reviewing my notes and thinking about where this message would go and, and what to do with it. And I was actually going to do the whole chapter, and I've ended up kind of trimming it down. We're only doing half of Daniel 2, even though it's a complete story. Um, and I went walking afterwards and praying and thinking about this text, and I kept hearing a buzzing noise. Um, you might think it was mosquitoes, but there are very few mosquitoes this year because it hasn't rained. And it wasn't grasshoppers, which are buzzing constantly around me and driving me nuts. No amen? Really? <laughs> we fell asleep during the prayer. Eric, what do you want? Like, um, and so this buzzing noise kept passing over my head. And I was walking and looking up and thinking, I know there's something up there. Right? Anybody done this recently? And, and it is the grasshoppers that bring, up, bring it about, right? There are grasshoppers everywhere. If you look at the, the map from the agricultural folks, that, that area around Big Sandy is a big red blob of grasshopper activity. We are in the catastrophic, devastating territory for grasshopper movement. I think you could probably talk to Jimmy who could tell you loads about insurance and grasshoppers and how bad they are this year. Um, but those grasshoppers, they are everywhere at the moment. I kept hearing this buzz, and, and it wasn't the grasshoppers, but anybody know what it was? It was an airplane. And when I looked up, I saw nothing. And I looked up again a few minutes later. Like I walked a block, and I heard the, bu- the pass, and I thought, where are you? And, and I was walking down fourth toward the mountains. And I got um, about midway up toward the end, and then I spotted it, that little airplane. And I didn't see it long. I saw it for about a half a second when it passed between a building, like the view of it passed between a building and the grain elevator because it was, it was spraying. And the problem was I wasn't looking in the right place, right? The airplane was there. There is no doubt the airplane was there. It was out there killing grasshoppers. Praise God. (laughs) It was out there killing grasshoppers, um, spraying whatever it is that they spray, whatever magic solution potion thing they put down. Um, And I couldn't see it because I was looking in the wrong place. It was right, right, right down there. And I, I had never thought about it before. It was a moment of revelation for me that... Every time I've ever watched an airplane buzzing the ground, spraying grasshoppers, they are, I mean, you could, you could hit them with a baseball as they go overhead, right? I mean, it's amazing that they do this. But you, you're hearing them all the time now, and for the most part, you ain't seeing them. Um, here in Daniel 2, we're going to be looking at this idea that God is sometimes in this place where it seems like the world around us is covered in unbeatable armies Of insects, right? Um, That's actually a line in Proverbs where it talks about how uh, locusts and grasshoppers and... What's the word? Are locusts grasshoppers? I think once they get a certain size, they're grasshoppers, right? Like spiders are spiders. If they get big enough, they're monsters. Or if they're on your toothbrush. Or your daughter. Right? Um, And so... These these grasshoppers are everywhere, these monsters, this army of destruction is around us. And there is noise and there is presence and it is being destroyed, but we don't see it. And oftentimes God is this way where, and especially where we're at in this Daniel passage, where God is acting and God is present. But for the ancient Jews, it would not have looked this way. Daniel faces an enormous challenge in this text and he resorts to looking to God. And, and so what we're going to look at here is we're going to look at this idea that sometimes the world seems by logic and appearance and the wisdom of the world around us and everything else to be totally random and totally out of control and out to get us. Um, and despite that, despite the fact that it seems like sometimes God has let go of the steering wheel, that Jesus has taken the wheel, I'm so sorry I said that, and he is still steering as we head like forward, right? Whether we believe it or not, whether we want to own it or not, whether or not like we want to go to that, he is there. And our calling as believers is to go back to him and trust him even when everything is on fire. Um, and here we are, right? So now, some context for the ancient Jews and the ancient Jews' worldview. Um, this would have been uh, during the exile. What has happened is the Jewish people have been absolutely decimated by the Babylonian Empire. They are an unstoppable, like, steamroller of a nation. And they are beating the heck out of all of the people around them and taking the people away as slaves. And for the ancients, the fact that they were defeated by an enemy, like, they would perceive that as their gods clashed and Yahweh lost. Right? Like, that would be the ancient worldview, you know, our God was not as good as your God. So we lost, we did not get favor from our God. Like our God wasn't strong enough. And a lot of people saw it that way. Um, and actually most of the ancient Jewish folks, like if you read this, they were polytheists. They believed in multiple gods. They believed that Babylonian gods were real, but that their God was better. And during this time of exile, they reach a point where they back up and they say, wait a minute, if God was in control of all this, maybe the other gods are just fake. Maybe there's only one God. There's a major transition for these folks. But at this time, they're probably in a spot where they're backing up and saying, well, can our God be trusted? Right? Anybody ever had a bad, bad thing happen and then say, oh, well, can I really trust God? Is he really in control? Um, That's actually, uh, it's interesting when you talk to folks about. Uh, about whether or not God exists, like, like that's oftentimes a thing they point at. Well, look, bad things happen, right? Um, Charles Darwin, the um, the great atheist thinker of the uh, 18th century, um, became an atheist well before he dis- like dis- started talking about the idea of evolution. He became an atheist because his daughter died. Not because of science, not because of anything else. His daughter died. And he backed up and he said, there can't be a God because God would never do this. It's hard, isn't it? Um, but in reality, it's easy to back up and say everything is broken, everything's out of control, and this would have been the temptation for Daniel. Number two, there's a huge parallel in this story between the story of Joseph way before and the story of Daniel, and we're going to work through that just a little bit, but the big idea behind it is the big idea behind the whole book and this text. Joseph right? Joseph um, was taken away into a foreign land, Um, He interpreted dreams for the king, and then he was able to bring the Jewish people into Egypt away from the famine they were dealing with. Like, he was able to save his people. Um, For Daniel, Daniel has been taken away to a foreign land, just like Joseph. He is going to interpret a dream for Nebuchadnezzar, and it is going to provide some protection and unique position for God's people. And there's a huge parallel there, right? The bottom line between both of them is God is in control. For Joseph, what Joseph does is he he meets his brothers and he has this great line. And it's kind of flyover country. But what he says to his brother, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And in reality, the situation these guys are in, and any Jewish reader would have caught this parallel, the message is, what Nebuchadnezzar meant for evil, God meant for good. What has happened may look like it's outside of the realm of God's hands. God is in control of. And that's a big deal going forward. It is easy to miss that. Um, but the bottom line with both of these guys, what makes them amazing, is they're both faithful in hard situations. And that, I think, is the calling for us. So um, we're going to dive into the text here. Uh, and I'm going to try and go through it kind of quick. Um, this is Daniel chapter 2, verses 1-4. Ow. Um, in the second year I'm taking my shoes off guys I'm sorry my feet are bothering me um, and now my feet are bothering you uh, in the second year of his reign Nebuchadnezzar had dreams his mind was troubled and he could not sleep his mind was troubled literally means his spirit was struck like to the core of who this guy is he is rocked right he he is in a position of uncertainty and fear. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Now, real quick, some, some notes here. Um, his, spe- his spirit has struggled, like he is struck. He is in fear. And part of the reason he's in fear, if you look at what the dream is, I'm going to tip my hand here. Um, he had a dream about a statue. And the statue was smashed. And there's a part of him that is probably looking at this situation and saying, um, because ancient, like ancients, period, but Babylonians in particular, believed that dreams were messages from the gods. That God's spoke to you through your dreams, and your dreams mattered, and you always wanted to pay attention to them. And so he is here, and he's saying, hey, you know what? I had this dream. The gods warned me about something. I obviously am afraid of this, so it must be dangerous. And he sees this statue, and maybe the statue looked like him. Some theologians, some Bible scholars have like, conjectured that the statue might have looked a little like him. We don't know. The text doesn't say. Um, but – the statue was destroyed and so he might be looking at this and saying "Someone's going to kill me that's a reasonable thing to think especially for a king in the ancient world where people sometimes would do stuff like poison your food right <laughs> that's why you had a cup bearer you had a guy who carried your cup and made sure no one poisoned it and he had to be your best friend And if you didn't like that guy you'd have his head cut off um which did happen occasionally um but then that guy would eat and drink everything you got before you got it, and if he died, you didn't eat it. Right? Like, so he is there, he is afraid, he is concerned, and he says, Well, wait a minute. I had this dream, I need to know what's going on because I might be in danger. The astrologers and the these guys and the astrologers are picked out in the next line, right? Um, then the astrologers answer the king May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The astrologers jumped out because Babylon at the time was known for its astrology. Like they were known for it. And in fact, amazingly enough, um, Babylonian astrologers had mapped the skies and figured out the, the solar system and the stars and everything so carefully and accurately that they were able to calculate the length of the solar year to within I think it's 27 minutes and 55 seconds of accuracy. This is again no telescopes, no calculators. I mean they are limited in their ability to do so, but they know like they were able and and you know they stars everything they were guided. They took this very seriously. They understood the basic science of it, which is not to say astrology is a science, that is not a thing. Do not leave here and say, Pastor Eric said astrologers are astronomers. Um, In the ancient world, they were both. Um, But in this instance, they, they, they took it very seriously. And they had manuals. Archaeologists have found manuals for dreams. And you would take that manual, and you would open the book, and you would say, oh, your dream means this. Here it is. And actually, we ain't gone all that far. Right? (laughs) You go to a bookstore and buy books like that, except it's all about your psyche because now we're God. We worship ourselves and we want to know exactly what's going happen what's happening to us through our own dreams. Which isn't to say dreams don't have meaning or anything like that. Don't hear me saying that, but like we still do this. And so they're like, just tell us and we'll break out the books and we'll tell you what it means. We're right there. But the king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards. By the way, uh, reward there is in the singular, reward, meaning that there was something in mind like you get to marry one of my daughters, which I assume is a blessing, I don't know. Um, but it would put you in high position in society or whatever, and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Um, real quick, there are plenty of records of ancient Babylonian kings doing nasty stuff to people. The fact that he is saying, I will cut you into little pieces is not an idle threat, and these guys know it, right? Right? This could be, we'll cut you up. It could also mean we'll tie horses to every part of you and have them run in different directions and see how it goes. It would not be a picnic, right? When the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem, they blinded the king. And I believe they murdered his sons in front of him before they did it. Um, these guys are nasty, right? They're nasty. They're mean. He is, he is this guy doesn't, doesn't joke. I will turn your houses into piles of rubble, by the way. Piles of rubble, the proper interpretation of that could be garbage dump. I will turn your homes into trash bins. Some of y'all are hearing that and thinking he's going to give them children. In all likelihood, he's going beyond that and saying, I will kill you and your children and your children's children and your house, your lineage, your family will be nothing. The king is serious, the king is angry, and the king is struck in his spirit, and he doesn't know what's going on. By the way, we live in a world that is like this right now. I'm going to talk about this a little more later, but like, I just want to draw some parallel for a moment, right? There are people right now who are panicked and angry and attacking their neighbors and saying nasty things about their brothers and like you name it. It's true, isn't it? And it's because folks are scared. It's because folks are looking and they're saying, there is no meaning in my life, and so something else must be in charge. We as the church should not be this way. We shouldn't. We're going to get to that in a second, but like like we should not back up and say, I, you know, these guys are not in harmony with me. We should kill them all. These guys are not in harmony with me. They're all stupid or sheep or you know, they're trying to kill my kids or whatever. Like, none of that. Like, we should be in a different position. But for these guys, these guys are pagans. They got nothing. And so the sorcerers, the astrologers were like, uh, just seriously, tell us the dream. Like, you know, I know you're kidding. Just tell us and we'll do it. The king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time. So quit stalling because you realize that this is what I have Firmly decided, if you do not tell me the dream, there's only one penalty for you. This is that dad voice. You ever do that with your kids? Here's the deal. You have a choice. You can do what I ask, or here's what's going to happen. There's only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. By the way, conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things. Um, Nebuchadnezzar is a brand-new king, and he is a fairly young man at this point, probably. He has not been king for long, but he does know how courts work. And he does know that any, like, like conspiracy against his own life might include his magicians, Right? And so his magicians could be a part of this. And so he says, hey, don't think you're going to trick me, guys. You could be against me, too. And I'll take the fact that you're not telling me anything or that you are going to tell me garbage as a sign that I probably need to kill your families. She so goes on. The astrologers answered the king again, coming back to the astrologers, right? Because these are the guys who would do interpretation. They've got a manual. This is what you do, right? Like they've got their worldly wisdom there that says, you know, if a, then B, if your opponent does this, then say this, if, you know, if they point out how your team is screwed up in this way, you point out how their team did the same thing. I'm not saying we ever do that now, but like they have their worldly wisdom in the holster and they're ready to pull it. And they're like, Come on, just play ball. There's no one on earth, the astrologers answered the king, there's no one on earth who can do what the king asked. And they're right. Right? No one on earth can do it. And I think that it's emphasized here, and it's said more than once. It's actually said in next week's sermon. We're not going to get to it today. um, But it's said more than once, and we're going to get to that. Like, But um, no one on earth can do this. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among us. Because they live in the sky. And they don't actually care that much about people is sort of the assumption for the ancients, right? This made the king so angry and furious That he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. And men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. By the way, um, I missed something here I wanted to mention. Starting in verse 5, the king replied to the astrologers, right? Or then the astrologers answered the king. Actually, it's starting in verse 4. And on to chapter 7. The language changes. This is written in Hebrew up until this point, and all of a sudden it jumps to Aramaic. And some translations actually say they replied in Aramaic because the (laughs) language literally becomes a different language. And Hebrew is not Aramaic, right? Aramaic is the language of international trade. Everybody spoke. It was like Greek later. And for some reason, the next seven chapters or six chapters or five chapters or whatever, math is not my thing. Um it's in a different language. Uh possibly because they were trying to not make the Babylonians look good, right? Which was a thing that John suggested. When the Hebrews read it, they didn't want them to read nice things about the Babylonians. It might be that, it might be a lot of things. Actually, they were Jesus spoke Aramaic. So it might not be that. It might be, who knows? Um, but the language changes right here for some reason. Just a note, it's important. I don't know why. Um, the king answered, I am certain that you're trying to, oh, I already read that. Uh, the astrologers answered the king, already read that. When Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Real quick, when Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, the word guard there means executioners. I have no idea why it's translated guard, <laughs> He is the Lord High Executioner, to quote Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, This guy is going out and executing people. And Daniel's response was full of wisdom and tact. Mind you, I think Daniel, in a lot of ways, is an example for how we're supposed to live in a world that is hostile to us. Instead of replying, you are awful and I hate you, he replies with wisdom and tact. He engages them intelligently, not angrily. He engages him like this this guard, this executioner, he engages him in a way that makes sense. He answered the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? By the way, harsh means hasty or impulsive. Um, Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. You notice the difference between what Daniel did and what the astrologers did? Daniel's like, hey, give me a minute. Just let me think. Right? Give us a second. We'll figure it out, which is the opposite of what everybody else did. And so the king, for whatever reason, probably because of the wisdom and the tact Daniel showed, the king grants it to him. Um, For us, what does this mean? It means, what do we do with this? Just a real quick bit of application. Um, Season your words with salt. I believe that's Paul, right? Oftentimes we engage folks that disagree with us or hate us or slander us or do wicked things with anger and with bitterness and with vile. And in reality, like, it's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be the voice of Christ to folks, not the voice announcing judgment on them, although that will come now and again. For the most part, we're supposed to speak like Jesus spoke. We're supposed to offer love and wisdom and everything else. And so Daniel goes and says, hey, let me interpret the dream. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. By the way, again... Not Rakshak and Benny or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or whoever they were by their other names because God is taking care of them, and in this moment, they're going to go by their Hebrew names, right? He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, This unknown thing, by the way. Mystery is a huge, awesome word. It means this unknowable thing. This thing from the depths that cannot be grabbed at by human hands. The word there is so loaded in the ancient language. I am really tempted to divert into it, but we're not going to. He's saying, guys, no one's giving this to us except for God. And we need him to show us mercy or we're hosed. So that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. All right. They gather up and they prayed. How many of you all face difficult stuff in life and then the response is, all right, let me get my buddies together and we're going to sit up and pray? No? How many of you all watch the fire spreading and say, time to pray, guys? Right? How many of you all face a situation and your response is to get frustrated and start yelling at each other? Or you hear the chaos in the world around you and your response is to fight. Like, in reality, what Daniel did was he backed up and he said, we got no power over this situation. Let's start praying about it. And I swear to you, the church could learn a lesson or two from this. The church, we should pray. We should talk to God. We should be in connection and communication with him constantly. Sometimes we don't. Often we don't. Because it is so much easier to do things our way, isn't it? It is so much easier to jump on Facebook and find people who agree with you and harmonize with them and dump out, you know, fire on you, the other guy or that awful politician, and they're all awful. Don't kid yourself. Um, it is just easier. Then Daniel praised God. Or praise the God of heaven. Mind you, the God of heaven is an important phrase here because he is the God of heaven, meaning the only God, meaning the God who is in control and said, praise be the name of God forever and ever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. All of these things they mention could be chaos or they could be the airplanes passing overhead where you need to stop and say, Man, it's hot and dry. Guess that's what God wants. Man, my guy lost. God must be doing something. Man, This happened, that happened, these other things happened. God must be in control. They're the sound of airplanes passing over, and a lot of times we miss it. And we'll get into why during our application. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness. The light dwells with him. Deep and hidden things and what lies in darkness are sort of in harmony with that phrase, mystery. Or that word mystery. Why? Because they are things that are only known to God. Um, The astrologers were right. No man on earth could reveal this. Only, only God can. And God is in control. I don't think they probably, like, the knee-jerk reaction I have at that point is, "Uh uh-oh, king's going to chop us up. Anybody else? I mean, heck, I worry that, you know, oh my gosh, they're going to screw with my taxes. Oh my gosh, they're going to do this. Oh my gosh, they're going to do that. And I never back up and say, "What's God doing now? How is He going to deliver me so I can praise Him? Anyone? <laughs> me neither it's all right. Anybody still awake? OK, I started late. I am not sorry. Um, I chose not to cut prayer short. is really what I did. Um, the light dwells with dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors there's so much stuff going on in this poem that I really want to dig into and i can 't so just don 't have enough time. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. you have given me wisdom and power. you have made known to me what we asked of you, and you have made known to us the dream of the king it 's interesting because he goes from he 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 to I. You, and what's happening there is he's saying, God, all of these things are true about you, and this is what I'm experiencing. You are awesome, God. Thank you for giving us what we asked for. Thank you for making known to me what we asked, what we sought out, what we, what we requested. That is my analysis of the text. Let's have a look at what some of our applications are here, okay? Um, I don't know how many there are. I didn't count them. It's easy to see God as having failed when things don't go our way, right? I and mean, that's Job's wife. "Curse God and die," To which Job replies, "Though he slays me, still I will praise Him. Just because things don't go our way doesn't mean that God has given up. It doesn't mean that things are not like things are not in His control. It means that His will is different than mine, and if one of us has to change, it ain't going to be me. right? Isn't that awful? I wish God would just play ball sometimes. (laughs) It's like the grasshoppers right now. We look around at the grasshoppers, and there's a part of me that is scared for my neighbors. Um, There's a part of me that doesn't know what is happening. There's a part of me that is worried. And in reality, God is taking care of us. He didn't stop. The armies of nature may be surrounding us. They may be marching without a general. But it doesn't change the fact that he is still in charge. Sometimes it's just because we don't understand. Nebuchadnezzar, in this story, is the agent of God's judgment. God picked Nebuchadnezzar and sent him to destroy Israel. And they didn't like it. And they said, obviously, our God failed. And in reality, our God failed to do what we wanted. He succeeded. Right? It's a little like natural consequences. Sometimes I will let my kids make decisions, and those decisions bite them. God didn't fail. He let you learn. He let you do things your way. And you can continue to do things your way, but it won't stop biting you. Um, Not all bad stuff is outside of his will. Not all bad stuff just happens. That's actually the spot where um, there's a book, uh, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Uh, Rabbi Kushner wrote it, and he concludes in the end, That God abhors evil, but is powerless to stop it. And really what he's decided is God hates evil and he's not really God. And it's just not true. In reality, Israel goes through, or Judah goes through this exile and they come out better. And that is the beginning of the coming of the Messiah. And without it, everything is different. And so God succeeds. He just doesn't succeed the way we want him to. Um, we 're going to talk about airplanes for a minute again. I knew the airplane thing was coming back, right? So the buzzing is there, and sometimes the buzzing is not what we expect. Anybody seen them? Oh, well, hold on, I 'll do the quote. Negative ghost rider. What is it? Oh my gosh, say it loud. Negative ghost rider. The pattern is full. I uh, have been trying to figure out what that means and the internet said one thing and I reached out to a naval aviator friend of mine who said it is absolute nonsense. None of it actually happens. That movie is kind of ridiculous but awesome. Um, <laughs> sometimes what we're waiting for is God to buzz the tower, right? All right, God, where are you? I prayed. Where's my Lamborghini? All right, God, where's the fire and brimstone that's going to hail down on the bad guys? All right, God, where is my win? And in reality, sometimes God is not planning on buzzing the tower. In reality, he's not going to make the bad guys spill their coffee all over the shirt. And actually, it was just some guy at work, and Maverick was a jerk, but whatever. Um, The truth is, sometimes we don't hear God because we're looking for an answer we ain't going to get. Because God doesn't like to play our game. He does his own thing. And so sometimes it is the Top Gun problem. What number am I? Oh, all right, there we are. Um, Sometimes it's because it's a crop duster. Like sometimes God is doing his thing and we're not looking the right way. Right? Anybody ever do that? We're not looking at where God is acting. We're looking up. We're looking in a different direction. And we're not seeing God because we're not trying to figure out what his will is. We're trying to figure out what our will is and how God is playing along with that. And it doesn't work. Sometimes God is flying low and we hear him. And the reason we don't see him is because we're not looking. Um, sometimes it's because we're perceiving things as God that aren't. I have heard more helicopters in the last three months than I care to tell you about. I'll be laying in bed at night, reading my book, and all of a sudden I'll hear a helicopter go over. And I'll think, oh, no, that's that's the medevac, actually. Right? Because that's how you know somebody has really hurt, it because the helicopter lands over here and they take them away. And I remember there are a few times I've gone out and looked for the helicopter, and it's never there, and it's really weird. And then I go back to bed, and I hear it again. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And one day I said to Jess, I'm like, do you hear the helicopter? She's like, yeah, I do. Let me go see what's going on. And she goes, and she comes back, and she's like, that's the dryer bouncing off the wall. Ain't no helicopter out there. It's the dryer. And now it annoys me because every time I hear it, I'm reminded that sometimes I am looking for flying things. And in reality, what I'm hearing isn't flying things. Sometimes what I'm hearing isn't God. It's what I want. Anybody doing that? Obviously, God wants me to be happy so I can look at these pages on the Internet. Right? Obviously, God wants me to be happy, so I can do this. obviously, God wants me to be happy, so this feeling in my heart is telling me to do this ain't God, but again, but again, the God of this world, the God of our age, is us, and so sometimes we end up listening to god it 's just not a real one so sometimes it 's the top gun answer, sometimes it 's the crop dusters we can 't see. Um, Sometimes it is the dryer making a bunch of noise in the next room. That was a really embarrassing thing to say out loud. Um, sometimes, sometimes we just can't see him because he's working in stealth mode. Ever see a stealth plane? Those things are awesome. And actually, stealth is not a new thing. They used to paint the bottom of airplanes white. Ask Helios. I bet he could tell you all about camouflage in World War II. Um, and you look and you don't see it. Sometimes it's hidden behind something. And you know what? It doesn't mean God isn't there. It just means that God is doing things quiet and on the down low so we don't see and we don't hear because we need to trust. That's what faith is. Oh, my gosh, faith is so hard. Can't he do things easier? No. Sometimes we just have to trust God is right. Sometimes we have to trust that when we get dragged out and get a spanking and we come back in, that it was for our own good whether or not it felt good. I'm not saying that about anyone in particular. Sometimes we mistake our opinions for God as another element of this, right? Uh, Look up in the sky. All right, number one, I want to ask, who is stopping and saying, look up in the sky, it's a bird. That is the dumbest thing to say, right? (laughs) What, you've never seen one? But sometimes we back up and we look and we say, that Nebuchadnezzar guy showed up. In reality, Nebuchadnezzar was the Superman. He was the one that God sent. But they're looking and saying, no, that's a bird. Sometimes we're failing to see things from God's perspective. And in reality, he's doing all kinds of stuff. But we're looking and we're saying, that's not God. That's a coincidence. That's not God. God wouldn't do things that way. Just wish he'd play along. Um, And sometimes we see him and we do not get the response we want. I had a great conversation with Aphis. Is that the right word? The guy who's the APHIS head for the state of Montana about grasshopper spreading. And they went over before the grasshoppers got really bad and they did not spray, they seeded. And they actually did like 40,000 acres in the Big Sandy area. They went around and they spread grasshopper seeds. Isn't that crazy? And what happened was, it was not a spray poison. It was a bait that the grasshoppers eat, and then in the course of their lifetime, they fail to develop into the next stage of their larval-like thing. Like, they never become full-grown grasshoppers. So you look, and you're like, they sprayed, and there's still grasshoppers everywhere. They must have failed. In reality, sometimes God acts, and he acts in ways that we don't expect. I didn't realize when I met Jess who is the love of my life and the greatest blessing apart from Christ that I have ever received. When I married her, I didn't realize God had put me with somebody who would make me holy eventually. There were days I backed up and said, God, why did you put me with this woman? And I'm sure she still says that. Why did you put me with this guy? But in reality, sometimes God acts, and his act pays off in the long run. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we lose something. And down the way, we look back and say, oh, wow, it's almost like he had a plan. Ultimately, that plan is our salvation. It is always our salvation. Everything that happens to us, everything that we look, it is all Christ. Like, I mean, we, we – every time we see God act, right, there's us coming back to Christ. There's us knowing Christ. And really, for Daniel, it was go and pray For us, our call is to back up and say God is in control and like God is dealing with me through Jesus. And so when I experience hardship, like James says, consider it pure joy. Anybody consider it pure joy? (laughs) Because it's in that that we know Christ more. It's in that that Paul said, great I am so happy to experience trial because I know what Christ went through for me. I get to suffer for him. I get to this. I get to that. Everything is about us knowing Christ more. Everything is about our old self dying and the new man in Christ rising. Um, My challenge for you today, my appeal, my encouragement is, um, are you hearing? Are you seeing? Are you understanding? Or are you calling out bird and plane? Right? Right? Are you waiting for Top Gun to happen? Are you looking up in the sky when you should be looking at your neighbors? I mean, the world around us is scary. There's grasshoppers and there's fires and there's evil politicians and there's taxes and there's climate change, whatever that is, and all this other nonsense. And a lot of times we want to back up like I'm waiting for COVID to happen again. And there's a part of me that's really scared about what that'll do. Not because I'm worried about people dying, because people die. And I'm not saying that's not a big deal, but I'm worried about our church. I'm worried that people will fight. I want you all to know Christ through your relationship with each other. I want you to love each other sacrificially. And I want you to do it when it's hard. I want you to do it when it's easy. I want to do it when we don't feel like it. And there's a part of me that's scared of that. But I'm going to tell you, like, when I'm scared of that, it's because I'm looking the wrong way. Christ is in control. We will grow in him or we will fall on our faces. Um, my challenge to you is are you studying? Are you praying? Are you, are you in fellowship? Are you checking with the scriptures before you check with the opinion pages in the newspaper? And if, if it ain't right, go fix it. Look for the airplanes where they're at. Look for God's voice, hear it, and then find him. And if you don't find him, trust him. Let's close in prayer. I know I'm long. I don't care. Um, but I started late because I prayed. And yeah. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. Um, I pray that uh, folks would continue to give me grace for my long-winded services and and sermons. I pray that you would, um, um, despite my rambling, despite being all over the place, I pray that you would speak into the hearts of the folks who are here. Um, I I know I'm incomplete and imperfect. I trust that you, Lord, I trust that you can move beyond what I'm able to do and and do good stuff. I pray that we would turn to you and lean on you in everything. In Christ's name, amen. Have a good Sunday, folks.